What's up, guys? Welcome to the first ever episode 11 of the Kind of Funny Games cast. As always, I am Tim Geddes. I'm here with the coolest dudes in video games, Colin Moriarty and Greg Miller. Hello. We're going to talk about a lot of cool Your stuff. Your NPR today. voice is on point oh, today. it's on point. It's because I hear myself, and now I'm sounding all sexy and shit. Yeah. yeah headphones, like that's the thing. Whenever people put me on headphones, it usually teaches me that. Well, I finally How understand why people are like, oh, he's so loud. It hurts yeah. my ears. Because it hurts your ears. Yeah, it hurts yeah, your ears. That's what happens. And then I immediately take the headphones off, and I'm like, unfiltered. Mm. Well, ladies and gentlemen, the rigmarole of this is you can get this show Monday through Friday over on YouTube, broken out topic by topic at kind of funny at youtube.com slash kind of funny games, or you can get it early at patreon.com slash kind of funny games, or you can get it on iTunes a week later. And it'll be great. Just search for kind of funny games cast. Yeah. Or kind of funny games. Right. Or just kind of funny. Cool. Any of that stuff. You sure. Find it. Is there anything else you want to add, Greg? No. Oh, all right. You just you sound like you did. I'm just there. I'm giving you support. Just there, supporting, supporting. Me, doing stuff. Yep. Supporting I'm me, like all the I'm people out there, you. supporting us on Patreon. Right. Dot com slash kind of funny games. Right. Thank you for that. Yeah. Colin. Yes. You you've been you've been pretty pretty happy lately. I I thought you were you've been happy. about what I don't know just in general. Oh, thank you. I'm no, a, I'm a, I'm a, the dour soured Colin Moriarty. I'm in good spirits. Fun, Colin. And I'm I think spirits. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that we just spent the last two weeks. Back to backing GDC. Oh yeah, it was thrilling. And uh, PAX East. Yeah, that, no, it was. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in good. I'm in a good place this year. Feeling good. People yeah. still think I look upset all the time, but that's well, just how I look. I was gonna say, like, mm. you're like you, you. For a long time, people knew you like a negative sixty on the happiness mm, index. Now God. you're up to like negative twenty. Right. It's so pretty I'm, good. I'm pretty good. good. Yeah. Well, people are like, oh, Colin looks like during Har- the Harley uh, kind of funny uh, show. I guess that was the Game of Greg show. Actually, yeah. We yeah. did that live. People were like, Colin looks bored or unhappy. I'm like, I'm just listening. I'm just sitting here listening yeah. to people. Colin, was doing going on at Colin that is an intent listener. Mm. Yeah, like when people are talking, I listen. I'm not like Nick Scarpino, Mm-mm. where like I just say whatever I want. Actually, at it was time. it was funny when I was at Paxis. I was talking to Tim, and then Nick just starts talking to Tim like in the middle of the sentence, and and Tim's like classic Nick Scarpino move. Yeah, it was just ridiculous. Yeah. Yesterday, on we recorded the Game Over Greggy show, and I told a whole story for the first time. <laughs> Because <laughs> Nick wasn't there, it was, it was pretty crazy. Yeah, Nick. My favorite is when Nick's talking to you, or he's with you. He interrupts you. Then something comes up again in conversation. It was what you were saying when he cut you off. And he's like, "When did that happen?" Yeah, like, we were just talking about it before you cut me off. Between that and and Nick just getting up in the middle of the show and leaving sometimes. <laughs> For, like in the middle of a sentence, he's like a ninety-year-old man. He's got yeah. a, he's got that prostate. He's got to go. Really, stuff he has an he has an interesting way of going about his business. But that's mm. you know, teach his own. That's his progress. Business is business. I see where you're going with this. Mm. Your lead in and the PAX yes. GDC thing. Yes. So let me detour for a second. Put a pin in it, as, yeah. as you would say. You're talking about the support we got. Mm-hmm. PAX, we had an amazing panel. Yes. Amazing best friends, of course, came out. We have something for the first time ever to do in the kind of funny games cast. Mm. We have a supporter who went and did. The $3,000 tier, shout out for a month. My God. So he gets a month of shout outs here on this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a supporter just like you. His name's Peach Goblin Poop. Oh, Peach Goblin Poop. Everyone the knows homie. Peach Goblin. Yeah. Everyone knows Peach Goblin Poop. Yeah, I'm you, familiar with him. You might remember him. He's submitted songs before. I think we mm-hmm. played him on Beyond, right? That's how we uh, we became aware of him outside of the fact that he's totally helpful on Twitch and helps out Alfredo all yeah. the time. Uh, however, he's he's got a new album out. Mm. A new Dynamite rap album. I like it a lot. He wrote a letter to accompany his shout out. So everyone needs to go to, and I made a bit.ly for it because he gave me a gigantic link that didn't make any sense. Angel Fire? <laughs> <laughs> so it's bit, period, L Y slash Peach Goblin. Spelled like it sounds, Peach Goblin. P E A C H G O B L I N. Right, and it's on the screen if you're watching the video one. Mm-hmm. Make sure you make a note of that for Kevin. Cool. Uh, anyways, here comes Peach Goblin Poop's letter. 
The project is called Simple Mind EP. It's a seven-track EP with a lot of heartfelt songs on it. It's a very serious project, but I'm hoping to reach out to kids who feel lonely all the time, which is a great, great message. Like you. Yeah, exactly. Like, no, I, well, I'm not lonely all the time, but I was, I mean, I, you know, I had my loneliness mm-hmm. my bouts back mm-hmm. in the day. Uh, now, if you can, I really want the, to push the kids to download it. That is what will help the most. Even just by saying, quote, hey, this EP is really cool. This kid worked really hard on it, and you should download it and check it out. It's sponsored by Daft Piff, or Dat Piff. Dat Piff? Yeah. The mixtape website? Yeah, exactly. That's the, that's the website you're going to here. Yes. So you don't need to make an account to download it, he says. Telling kids that will also help kids download it. So there you yeah. go, kids. You don't need to make an account. You yeah. go there, you, you download it. You just go, and there'll be a pop-up window that comes up, and it's going to be like, do you want to be a premium member? And you're like, no, 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 no. I don't want that. And then you click the thing. You wait the 30 seconds. You'll get the raw... RAR file? AR, yeah, the RAR. RAR. I've never, I don't think I've said Guar. that. That's a spinoff of GUAR yeah, and Guar, before OAR, I believe. <clears throat> OAR after GUAR. Yeah. yeah. Then yeah, you just, yeah, yeah. you know, unzip that shit and enjoy. Right. Mm. Load it up on your iPod. Now, here's what I, Tim, you're the host of the show, of mm-hmm. course. When I was kicking around with Peach Goblin, of course, be bit.ly slash Peach Goblin, uh, I was talking about maybe, and you're the YouTube guy, so stick with me, maybe yeah. we could play a little sample of the song. Now, yeah. he says he's not going to copyright strike us. Seems you don't you don't agree you don't think it's if it's on Dap Hif, if it's on Dap Hif, I wouldn't mess with it okay I don't know what, what weird shit they have this they is these, have right, so here's what you need to know yeah Peach Goblin Poop a good friend of the show a Great supporter name, like you did the month of shoutouts his the website to go to is the Bitly slash Peach Goblin okay. it's on the screen right now if you're watching the video the music is Greg Miller approved mm-hmm. I do actually like this music I liked it before he ever gave us money so mm-hmm. I want to point that out <laughs> it's important to point out well, it is is his rap name Peach Goblin Poop yes with the poop. Yeah, the poop is oh. on there. You go to when you go there, it's gonna pop up. It's gonna say about Peach Goblin poop. And then there's a comment. PGP. There's a comment beneath it that says, "This is awesome. Can I can I download this and like put it back up somewhere?" And he said, "No." And then somebody put underneath it, "Yeah." <laughs> That's a weird weird conversation. Mm, in the comments. Mm. The comments are always weird. Mm, so yeah. there you go. A best friend just like you watching out there supporting us. Thank and he you is for he is a good dude. He really is. Have you met I, met, him? I met him once, and it was a good time. He's a Bay Area, Bay Area local. Yes, 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 yes. So right, he's a good, good guy. Sorry, Peach Goblin poop. So yeah, Bitly. thank you, thank you so much for Peach the support. Goblin. Now going back, after we're taking the pin out. Thank you guys so much for your support at PAX East 2015. Mm-hmm. We had a lot of fun. Right. We did our panel. We did meet and greet. We did all of this this fun stuff. Topic number one this week is PAX East mm. 2015. What sure. were the best games we played? What was our best experiences? Ah. All that stuff. I'm very excited you brought mm. this. Oh man. Gray has notes. Oh no! Oh no! The notes. He, he lost his notes. It was dramatic. Right. You, you tried. You tried. You tried hard, but it, it backfired. So it, ba- it was very dramatic. It was. It was. Dramatic. I wouldn't deny. I wouldn't deny the drama of it. Thank you. Yeah, I brought all sorts of stuff here. I, I, this is the you know the Pax East is when you get to go see all the indies. Mm. And on top of the Pax East, we were at GDC. Saw a bunch of indies there. I went to the awards here. I went to the Independent Games Festival Awards and the Game Developer Choice Awards. And on the back, they had this little thing to keep track of it. So I took. Comprehensive notes, as you mm. can see, for things we need to do. Let's arrows, it looks like just X's. arrows and X's. It doesn't really look very comprehensive, comprehensive notes, as you can see. Then I went and got business cards for things I talk about. So I have plenty to talk about. What would you like to hear about, Colin? Whatever you want. Hey, I'll start with this one. I didn't play this game, but I didn't see you after the fact. But this is the one I was telling you about: Making History, The Great War. So World War One. Yeah. Okay. It's a World War One game. They were. It's from Muzzy Lane. I have no idea. Here, I'll read it to you. All right. The latest in our award-winning strategy game series, TGW, and puts you, I don't that that's a that's literally that's, what it says. It puts you in the role of national leader during the era during the era of the First World War. Change the course of history and lead your nation throughout this turbulent time. You control production, make diplomatic deals and alliances, wage war and try to keep your empire from falling prey to domestic unrest, instability, and revolution. 
The game's currently available at a discounted price on our website and on Steam Early Access. The official release is imminent. Wait, what is it, though? Like a Strategy <laughs> World War One game. Yeah, that's Strategy what, World so War So, like, game. this is all we have is this box art. Right. The graphics didn't look that hot. I'm not going to lie. I don't care. But about I wanted that. to give you a shout out about it. I don't you're always saying that. there's not enough, uh, you know, Civil War. Uh, World War but, One, but this, but this uh, one, this uh, one's, I don't talk much about World War One, but this one, this one below it sounds even more interesting to me, Greg. Government yep. in action, it's called. For the first time, you can now directly buy the game that Forbes magazine called House of Cards: The Game. Like Play as a member of Congress and learn exactly how difficult it is to grow your political capital by passing and sponsoring bills, asking lobbyists for money, and paying to get media attention, all while trying to take care of the people in your home district so you get reelected. That does sound really good, actually. This sounds very Colin esque. Yeah. It's very interesting. He's like got, that. what is it, Muzzy? Muzzy Lane making games just for you, Colin. Yep. Mm. Colin. A world leader in digital, digital game, game based, based learning. learning. For Colin Moriarty. For Colin Moriarty. All right, so let's. So I got other stuff here. Okay. I got plenty of other stuff. Okay. The first one I got on my hand is Y2K. Did you see this one? No. Postmodern RPG. It's set. It's Postmodern a, RPG. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's goofy. It's in America. I want to say it's in Portland, but I'll forget that part. Guy definitely looks like a hipster. Beard, flannel. You already gotcha. know where I'm going with the this. The dream of the 90s He's are alive. In Portland. He's in a record store right there, so you get it. Mm. Colin, what this is, mm. is the Japanese... RPG gameplay put into a, in English game where this man is like living with his mom his life's not so hot an American game exactly meets this girl then he's got to go with this thing there's parts of like there's like some platforming in there there's some Zelda like bomb stuff they were showing off mm. doing all this different so stuff so I'm looking at this here uh-huh. so a killer 7 earthbound hipster hybrid heaven according yeah. to Destructoid Take on RPG battles with vinyl records, norm core threads, and weaponized panda plushies. Brave parallel dimensions, existential humor, and meandering exposition. Right. Panda plushies. Uh, what's most exciting to me about this is that it's coming to Vita. Yep. Mm. PlayStation 4 and Vita and Wii U. And Y2K, Steam. a postmodern RPG. Okay, so that, that's the subtitle. When, I, when you said when you called it a postmodern RPG, I'm like, what are you talking about? Well, yeah. I was in a postmodern <laughs> RPG, but it's actually calling itself that. Yeah. Okay. I'll allow it. Okay. Looked interesting. Graphics are rough, but it did the whole Persona thing where, like, you know, the drawing pops up and then the text is there. And I'm like, oh, man, like, oh, yeah. a JRPG made by Americans set in America. That's pretty cool. I can get down with that because, you know, I can relate to that. Yeah. There's a cat in there. Sure There's a, a cat is at the core of this whole story. Well, where, I don't want to Where do the panda plushies come from? I did not see the p- panda plushies in my Damn playthrough. It. I'm sorry. I apologize. For Sounds that. interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I got that one for you. Put what, that what's on this the- Mini Metro? I'm excited about that. I saw that a little bit. Now, Mini Metro Max. is one I got to watch. I didn't get to play, but it's. I went to the website already. You can play it there, and I think you might be able to download it already. Your is iPads. the developer called Dinosaur Polo Club? Because that's a pretty awesome. It is. They are. That's a pretty Dinosaur great name. Dinosaur Polo Club. So, Mini Metro is a game where basically, if you are in. A metropolitan area, you probably know how your BART system looks, your subway system, your metro system if you're over in France. Mm-hmm. You see the different colored lines, right? There are trains moving on these lines while you watch, and it's, it looks you know, just like a map would look or whatever, the subway mm-hmm. system. And you have to give them the best routes to drop off their passengers. The passengers are on there represented by basic shapes, a triangle, a circle, a square. You can see how many like different ones. You, you can tell, like, okay, I have a lot of squares on this train, but it's going way away, but i got to try to get it to the square drop-off point faster, get these people the triangle route faster. And obviously, as you play gets progressively more hard and you have to keep mm-hmm. trying to get these lines just a management game exactly mm-hmm. seemed like a fun one mm-hmm. you know i'm not one 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 big on the mobile games it, sh- it seems like it would work on vita exactly that was what mm-hmm. you're right there mm-hmm. with me yeah that's geo you better be listening that that's 100 percent true mm-hmm. but i was thinking maybe on my ipad it'd be something to play before yeah. better whatever fool around nah. now here's an interesting one i want to bring this one up right did you, did you get to play this one? No. Hectacube. I played like two games. Oh, Hectacube. Hectacube. Everybody go to Hectacube.com. H-E-C-T-I-C-U-B-E.com. Mm. This one 
made by Graham Reed. Graham Reed, of oh. course, the gentleman who made the Colin and Greg mm-hmm. live intro. He did the very special podcast beyond uh, New York Comic Con thing. He's known for doing these different graphics, which is great or whatever, right? But this one is basically, it looks like Pong, right? With a whole bunch of crap happening mm-hmm. on the screen. Uh, this is definitely one that I sent to Sony. I was like, this needs to be on the Vita because it's local. You're playing with a phone or a mm-hmm. tablet or whatever, to, you know, person on each side. Your bar, your paddle is bouncing back and forth, right? But what you're trying to do is slam the, like, basically the puck into the other person's paddle to make the paddle smaller to, you know, kill it. Yeah. The way you do this is, basically, if I'm to use Colin's phone, I would pull back here on the screen on my side, and it would make a little, another little uh, projectile that would fly out and hit the puck I'm trying to get over there. Mm-hmm. If I pull back and hold, the projectile gets really big, and I can throw it out that way, but obviously I sacrificed the fa- fact that Colin could be shooting stuff at me yeah. as well. Again, this is a like, game. It sounds, it, sounds like, like, it sounds like Crossfire. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Like That's the game we used to in the... Yeah. Right, and then your paddle on the Crossfire. end is just there. You, you were trying to hit the other person's paddle to kill it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I liked it. It was fun. It it, nice. Again, another game that I think would work really well in Vita. Now, here's where we get into some of the crazy stuff. You ready? Mm. Crazy. Uh, we'll start with this one. Well, you're done with this. We're going to put this over here, and we're going to put this over here. Thank you. This is Toto Temple Deluxe. Mm. You might have seen us tweeting about this. Yeah, exactly. That, that, that's how it came to light for us, that we that there was this game happening. Uh, it's a game that plays all the things kind of funny loves. Mm-hmm. Four-player, local mm-hmm. multiplayer, and a goat. And a goat. That's you all get, we need, really. You get the goat. You run around with the goat on top of your head, and you try to be the guy who has the goat the longest before time mm-hmm. expires, right? You, We've you, all been there. Of course. You're building it up. Now, the the added benefit is that they took us and put us in the game. Mm-hmm. They just surprised us with this. And there's a whole bunch of other video games. Nathan from Cappy's in there. Uh, Tim Schafer's in there. A whole bunch of different video game people are in this. Is They replace the goat. Mm. So if you want, when you get this game, you can replace the goat with Tim Gettys mm-hmm. and then carry Tim Gettys around your head and do it. It's, I don't know how I feel about the the me look in the game. Simply because my eyes aren't blue. And that's always my biggest... Have you emailed my them biggest, I have not. Why have you not emailed them? Like, hey, can you change that black dot to a blue dot? There you go. That's all yeah. it is. It takes super simple. But, if, but, but the dots could represent... Does it represent the whole eye color? Or maybe it's the way they represent like the Simpsons pupil? eyes, yeah. I don't know. I'd rather them just be blue. I mean, it's, you know, they're making a cartoon version of you. You mm-hmm. probably shouldn't bust balls mm-hmm. about it. I'm a ball buster. Mm-hmm. Are you? No, I really... I do appreciate... I'm just, I'm just messing around. No, I know. But it, it looks cool. This like is another it. one that, that when it comes to consoles, I'm sure we'll be playing hell of. Right now, the, yeah. well, I'm not going to go buy another three wired Xbox controllers to play. There's plenty of other console games we can play out there yeah, for multiplayer Mondays and stuff. Absolutely. But I'm interested in it. Now Now that I'm talking about Toto De- Temple Deluxe, let's talk about Move or Die. Move or Die. If you, were to, if you were looking at just the graphics on the cards I'm holding up here on the thing, if you're listening to MP3, sorry. But they look a lot alike. Mm. you got characters who are, you know, the primary colors, you know, it's cutesy, whatever. Move or Die is interesting because, again... Four player crazy ass co op fun or whatever, or uh, competitive fun while you run around. But imagine it's that, and instead of just being carry the goat over your head, it's like WarioWare, where every one of the games is different. So one, you'd be carrying the goat or whatever, one, and you're not really carrying the goat, but just for yeah. the other, you're running and like all of the tiles are opaque, and you hit them, and if, you, if you're the last person to touch them, it's your color. So by the end of time, you have to have the one with the most colors. And then the next one, and so on and so on. There's all these mm-hmm. different mini-games that you choose how many you want to play, and then you get a winner based on that, and you run through and do it. Another game that I'm like, oh, yeah. That's Multiplayer Monday. Yeah. That sounds awesome. We're going to kill it. We're going to kill that one. I'll be a part of that. We're going to move. We're not going to die. Now, here's one that I don't... I, uh, I'll save him for last. All right? I'll save him for last, okay. Colin. Other one I wanted to talk about, 12 Minutes. Mm. Yeah, I talked about this on our panel. If you listen to oh, the Game Over Greggy Show panel at PAX East, twelve minutes is being done by this guy, Luis Antonio, uh, or maybe Luis. Yeah, I'm, Luis not gonna, Antonio? I'm not going to fall for this like I did with. Uh, I know, but with Luis. But I, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying. But yeah. when I see L U I S, I automatically 
uh, go to Luis, yeah. unless otherwise corrected. Yeah. Yeah. Louis Menchacha. Yeah, but that was really that's a, that's a rare that's a rarity. Right, I, I've never, I don't know if I've ever actually seen that. Hope, if you're listening to this MP3 on the Friday that it goes live for free, uh, Luis might be actually on our Twitch channel right now. So come over and look at it because I invited him over just to play the game with me. So we're oh, gonna cool. do that. Um, Twelve minutes is interesting because it's like Groundhog Day with murder. Hmm. So you you play the same twelve minutes over and over again, trying to stop the outcome. So every time you play, it, you learn something new about what's gonna happen. But like, the, it was described a little bit poorly. But the idea, the gist is, you come home, or your wife's there cooking dinner. Then some cops come and they like they they kill you or knock you out or whatever. So you have to start trying. Like oh, maybe this next time I won't answer the door, or I'll go get, I'll try to find a weapon, or I'll try to you know all these different ways. So every time you wake up, you try to figure out how how to undo it. Because as soon as you get knocked out and you know everybody's dead or whatever, then you wake back up in the same place with your wife cooking dinner and the cop about to come in a little bit. Mm. So you have to sit there and replay this one level, this one map, try to figure out how you're going to do this. And I believe on the giant bomb panel, that I, again, I, I met Luis, got his card, told him I'm totally infatuated with the game. He needs to come on our thing because he works here in San Francisco and he's going to. But a giant bomb was saying that when they talked about it, he said like six hours, six like to eight hours of gameplay or something to figure out how the hell not to get killed in 12 minutes. Like that sounds rad. That's a yeah. totally awesome idea that I want to be a part That's of. That's really mm-hmm. cool. All right. Uh, and then th- this war of mine. This is another one. All right, this uh, I walked by. You were doing it. It's like a point-and-click adventure game, right? But it's you're trying to figure out like, should you steal? It seems like you're in this war-torn country. Do you steal supplies from these people? What's going to happen over here? It's this really interesting idea that I guess has been reviewed by a few outlets because it's already up here. It's uh, yeah, here. You go. IGN gave it an 8.4. Uh, GT gave it an 8.5. Eight from Gamespot. I had never heard of this game. Not gonna lie to you. It seems awesome. Mm-hmm. It seems like one of these cool indie games. Now speaking of all these cool indie games. This is where we get back to the GDC thing, mm-hmm. where I went. And I'll tell you what, guys. I like to think I know a lot about this video game industry. Mm. Tim, do I know a lot about you this video game industry? You know a lot. Industry? You're one of the coolest dudes in it. I try to keep up with everything. When I went to the Independent Games Festival Awards, hosted by Nathan from Cappy, only one of these games had I ever heard of beforehand, which was crazy. That they're, yeah. Now, granted, Independent Game Awards, they're submitting their games. They're not like submitting Hotline Miami. They're submitting a bunch of different things. So... Games that I, I want to call out here that I want a bunch of things. 80 Days, I'd never heard of this. I know that probably makes me stupid. It looks like it's really popular on iPhones and tablets or whatever. Seems interesting. We don't play iPhone and tablet games. I know. but it's so, a, I mean, so it's okay. Okay, good. Okay. Text adventure kind of game going through this thing. of like, I think it's getting around the world in 80 days and making your choices and hmm. doing it. Sounds awesome. I want to play that. This War of Mine was all over the nominations. Won a bunch of stuff. Tim, a game you and I have to let's play is mm-hmm. called How Do You Do It? I like it. What do you think How Do You Do It is? Um, sex game. It's a game where you Google things and YouTube. It's a sex game where we sit there with action figures and oh, figure out how they oh, do wait, it. Oh, wait, I saw this. Yeah. This is on Reddit like last week. Okay. They probably sprung yeah, to. Have you seen like the art style of it yeah. and stuff? It's like really, pop art and stuff. Yeah, yeah it's like, like creepy and weird. And yeah. I love it. Where you take Barbies and mash you have them to like, mash them together. Yeah. We got to play that together. <laughs> the gotta yeah. be the way it was written gives it away to me why, why it's about sex. Because it's all lowercase and then do it isn't capital. Right. Mm. Next I don't one, know why I just told Next you. one that has one of my copious notes, which is an arrow, saying I need to do something with it. Apartment. But a, what do you call it? Just a dot? I guess, yeah. A, a dot part dot mint. What's it's interesting about this is it's like a deconstruction of a, a failed relationship by looking around this thing, this apartment. Oh, my God. Like seeing things like, oh, awesome. that's, her, that's her brush. And oh, my God. She I was like, yeah, we totally have to play that. But like th- this is something we need to figure out. Is like I don't think that works as a Twitch stream because mm-hmm. I don't want to have to monitor the chat. And I don't know if it works as a let's play because I don't want to sit there and try to entertain. Forever. I just want to play it. I don't know how to yeah. do that. I don't like the set. So here's what I'm going to say about this. Uh, it should be a part dot mint, not a dot part dot mint. Yeah, I think what they're saying is though that it's a part of the, the couple. I don't know the. Oh, I thought it was that. like more like a part. Mm, that's good too. 
But I guess we'll have to play to find out the real mm. end of the story. But I took it as this is like a part of their relationship. This cup is a part of their relationship. And those are the big ones. These are the winners. Again, I was like, close your. All right, great. Tetra getting games. What the hell? Like, there's a bunch of weird ass shit happening over there. Outer Wilds? Rooftop Cop. Yeah, rooftop, rooftop cop. cop. Yeah, that sounds like a Nick Scarpino game. Yeah, three fourths home looks like it's uh, it's got a mark there. I think it's pretty much just a side scroller where you're in a car having a conversation. I'm like, yeah, that looks like something I want to play as well. God, video games, man. These video days, games are awesome. I just love how now it's like, what's the most random specific thing we can do? Let's make a game about it. Yeah. So those were my standouts. That's great. Sorry to take up so much time in the front, but I had all of these. There's a lot months. of cool stuff to do. I played a game with Nick called Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time, mm-hmm. and it was awesome. It's a co-op game where you're in this spaceship, and you get to choose these, like, Muppet Baby-looking, like, Sanrio-style characters. Yeah. And uh, so you, you each are them, and you're lovers in the spaceship, and you need to go save your other lovers that are, like, captured for some reason sure. in space. And it's the kinky. ship is a, it's a circle, and on the outside, there's a bunch of different turrets and stuff. And inside, there's the turret controls. There's and like there'll be at like the top level, and there's ladders and stuff. In it controls kind of like a, a platformer, but you can only at any point do two of the different things. So like one of the turrets activates a shield. One of them activates like a giant gun. One activates like more of like a machine gun thing, and you can aim it and stuff. So, but you can only do two of them at any point. So you need it's like a super like teamwork thing where it's like, hey, go up there and do this. Go gotcha. up to the map, figure out where we're going. Like, oh, push the thrusters. Like, because you can't be moving. If, like, if one person's moving, that means the other person has to run back and forth between shield and shooting and all that stuff. And it's really really cool. And uh, there's a lot of hearts and a lot of explosions and like there's boss fights where you fight a giant bear. Nice. And it's just it was fun. Like it was a lot of fun. Like we're definitely gonna do some less plays on that guy. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah. What are you calling? I didn't see much of packs that we had already, hadn't already seen, but I didn't spend sure. I didn't spend much time on the floor really looking around because we were doing other stuff. But uh, I just want to give another shout out to our boys at Drinkbox and, and their game mm. Severed because I think that um, I think that game's looking real, real good. I went special. I went out to dinner with them and talked to them a lot about it, and you know they're excited about it. I think they're you know um, interested to see what people think of it. But it's a Vita exclusive for now, and. Uh, uh, coming first to Vita for sure. Um, and it's a it's a, a first person, very old kind of style dungeon crawler, first person dungeon crawler, which you don't see much of anymore. Because uh, now we get a lot of roguelikes and um, isometric games. Um, so seeing a game that looks like Shadowgate basically is really weird uh, and cool. Um, and I give them a lot of credit for doing something different because uh, they could just do Guacamelee 2. And they basically have confirmed that they're going to yeah. do Guacamelee yeah. 2. But. Um, it's cool that they just jump from thing to thing to they thing. They confirmed that on our show. But, but in a more overarching way, what was exciting about PAX East specifically, and GDC to an extent too, was uh, at least the way we covered GDC was just the, the really the, the continued rise of independent games and smaller games. Um, there was virtually no AAA um, games there at all, with the exception of some stuff from Microsoft and I think Capcom. I, I basically think that was it. It was dominated by... Um, by independent and smaller games, and I thought that that was really cool. This is the future, like it or not. Yep. So, and, um, but there's so many great ideas happening. Yeah. All of this, these games that I, I was checking my phone because uh, I don't know if you had the chance to see it. I went back by the Adventures of Pip. Yeah, I mean, it. we saw that at PSX. It, this was a new level. This was like a new advanced level because I've been seeing since I guess not even PSX, but since the first time I saw it at PAX Prime, I guess tucked away on the off the show floor. I've been seeing the same level. You know, you know, go mm-hmm. from being one pixel to being a 16 bit guy and like do the different moves. This was like. Now the platforming is way more intense. There was different obstructions. You had to jump and change and do all these different things. It was like, oh, fucking, that's rad. You know what I mean? Like, I hadn't seen, like... Oh, fucking, that's rad. Oh, fucking, that's rad. Yeah. I hadn't seen that in a while. Yeah. Fucking and then Another one I liked was Dead Pixels 2. 
Yeah, I don't know if you saw this. It's basically remember how we were trying to play Scott Pilgrim the other day. Whatever happened to side scrolling beat 'em ups or whatever, oh, yeah. right? Like this is a side scrolling beat 'em up with guns and stuff where you're fighting zombies and stuff and having fun in a zombie apocalypse that looks like it's a 16 bit game. Mm-hmm. Totally cool. I love that. I got to play Amplitude for a bit, and my God, I love that game. My God. Hold on, hold on one second. Where are you going? What's happening? Oh, you got it on delivery now. Look at you. Yeah. Forgot your drink. Forgot your pure kill. Now I'm back. Now we can start the show for reals. Uh, but no, so Amplitude. Amplitude's one of my favorite games of all time on the yeah. PlayStation 2. And this is the second time I got to play the new one on PS4. And my God, it's just it's just more Amplitude. And that makes me so happy because it's like they they really nailed the like the just the, the engine. I mean, I think it's just built on the same engine. So it's like, it feels right and all that. I was a little worried about the um, PS4 controller not being as responsive as the PS2 because that game is very shoulder button heavy. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the fact that now that there's triggers instead of buttons, uh, the R2 is a little, it's a little weird and did take a, get, a little getting used to, but it works. And I liked it a lot. And the music's great. And it's all original music in this one. The first one had a bunch of licensed songs. I'm going to miss, you know, POD and all that. Mm-hmm. But. The original, the, the original episode did have, every day. did have a lot of uh, harmonics exclusive music in it. And so now all this, it's crazy to hear it because it's like, it just sounds like I'm back in 2008 or whatever the fuck that game came out. And I, I liked it a lot. I'm very excited for Ample it. 2 was before that. Yeah, it? it was PlayStation well, yeah, 2. It was PlayStation 2, yeah. Damn. Looking like 2002, 3. Yeah. yeah, maybe you're right. I don't even know. Yeah, yeah it must have been because yeah, POD was, was a thing. Yeah. We are, probably, we are. They're probably still around. I don't know. I don't know what's the Youth of a nation. No, that was, yeah, back to what Colin's point was like, yeah, it was super exciting to walk the show floor and, you know, not that I, not to knock them or anything, but I kind of ignored all the big, pop, you know, the big games, the big stuff. Like, Guild Wars obviously isn't my thing. I don't have to worry about this, but like going into the Indie Mega booth and then immediately seeing like three or four games, you're like, holy shit, that looks awesome. Like, waiting on to play that or walk the floor and yeah, run in just all these other different games, you know what I mean? See where things are and where they're coming and how, f- what, to see continue i guess to see the walls of what indie games are breakdown right mm-hmm. like i mean that's the big thing is like it's, it's very akin to when we used to call it, it was pretty good for a downloadable game now it's like no 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 the indie games are uh, you know below that's what i'm interested in i want to go see below. oh severed that's what it's all about for me right now in the vita you know yeah yeah i mean yeah downloadable yeah it's funny like everything's a downloadable game now the the cool thing to me is just that you know people often talk about this kind of iron grip that triple a publishers and big annualized games have on the industry and, and i think that these companies are important and they make good games from time to time but they their their iron grip is crumbling before our very eyes and like you can see it and and for all those people that complain about games that don't work and games that are loaded with dlc and games that cost 60 dollars and you don't want to necessarily pay 60 dollars for a game well then support these guys because these guys are making new games by themselves putting them wherever they want to put them and finding partners that make sense for them yeah and they have new ideas the new ideas are in that space. The new ideas are certainly not in the AAA space. They're nowhere to be found in the AAA space, in <laughs> fact. So, like, the... And that's just the nature of the... Tri- like, really think about the AAA space and tell me of a new idea. Yeah? Tell me about a game that's doing something different. Batman has a Batmobile. You know, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, something's an open world game. So, Uncharted 4 is just going... I can't wait for it, but it's going to be Uncharted. Right. They're about to release a Call of Duty... Or a Battlefield game, rather, that is uh, a, a crime simulator that is seems to be somewhat inspired by... An indie game called Payday. Like, they, you know, they're going to annualize Assassin's Creed and put it in a different place. They're going to release, you know, Bloodborne, which is just Dark Souls. And I'm not saying that these games are necessarily going to be bad. I'm just saying these aren't new ideas. Halo, Gears, Quantum Break. You know, in the Xbox side, like these, you know, so. They're not taking two action figures and trying to have sex. No, exactly. And I'm not saying that that is a better. I'm not saying saying taking two action figures and making them have sex is better than a shooter. It is. I'm saying that 
you know, for all of these AAA games and and in the space just saturated with annualization, and I think a lot of um, just uh, uh, tiredness over the, the way these games are. These are the games that are exciting. You know, yeah. Support them. You know, I I really encourage people out there to support them. That the that that that, that I that aforementioned Iron Grip is is loosening. You know, and yeah. and 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 game small games are proliferating, and just because a game is small in the way it was made or the studio doesn't mean it's not going to be huge. Think about Rainbow Moon; that's a hundred-hour RPG H- made by a few people. Hell Divers is a, a small game from a, a, a small studio called Arrowhead. So, um, just more generally, not about specifics, but more generally, it's a very exciting time. Mm-hmm. That said, I think that you know, Pax East was fun. I think that we are officially a critical mass for uh, these kinds of shows, and I'll be interested to see. Like Pax South um, was the first clue of that. Yeah. yeah, I think even PSX is an indication too, and I, I think that um, I'll be more interested generally to see what happens with these shows over the next uh, few years because I, I don't think Pax is going anywhere. But like with Rooster Teeth and Screw Attack and all that, it's like there's way too many. One of these shows has to buckle. Something something has to give. You know, simply because all these studios cannot afford. To go to all these the, all these shows, sure. people can afford to go to them. People in Texas aren't going to get access to Pax East, and people in you know Los Angeles are going to have to go to San Diego Comic Con or to you know if they can't get an E three and things like this nature. It's just like what makes sense for the game developers. Mm-hmm. Sure, you know? yeah, well, I think yeah. a lot of the conventions aren't necessarily about game developers. Like for example, RTX for sure isn't it? Yeah, RTX. I mean, they they do have obviously Bungie and three four three and all that stuff. But um, when it comes to like Pax and all this stuff, like it, it was cool to see. You were talking about exciting things like to see League of Legends playing on those giant screens and have so many people in front of it, like freaking the fuck out. Riot wasn't there, yeah, you know, and I think that's crazy. And it's like, you know, esports aren't necessarily our thing, but obviously, they're the things for everyone else. And like, it's just crazy to see the excitement, and it's still exciting, like, even though I don't care, like, I do care that other people care, yeah. And there was like certain moments where we'd walk by and people are going crazy over just this league game being played and people shout casting and doing all this stuff. And it's like, I think there's there's a power to that, and PAX has its community, you know, and we saw that more than anything at our panel and oh, yeah. our meet and greets and all that stuff. Like, PAX is about the fans, and I, I feel like the developers use it as a, a way to show the fans their games. But I don't think that it's as big of a deal which developers are there at PAX. I think we see that with the AAA guys that are there. They're not really showing anything. And it's like even when we were at IGN covering the stuff, we wouldn't really care too much about checking out Capcom because it's like we know what they're doing. Like we're fine there. It is about finding the indie games at these things. Yeah. So, yeah. Next up, we played one more game, Colin. Yes. PAX East. It was a big game. Yes. If you're talking AAA, I would say this is... It's pretty AAA. Pretty There's AAA. new Ghostbusters? Certainly yeah. in how long it's been in development. No, 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 no. We're talking about Final Fantasy XV. Ah. We got to play it. We played mm-hmm. for about an hour. Mm-hmm. We could have got uh, for longer, but I just yeah, didn't really yeah, want yeah. to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well... I like where this conversation's that's, that's, uh, going. That's, 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 I didn't want to, but I think for a different reason. What the hell's happening in this game? All right. So, Greg, let's catch you up here. Thank you. Because you weren't there. You weren't at the demo. It was right. just It was just us and Nick. Flirting with people. God um, damn it, Nick. It was a road trip. It's a boy band road trip. Nice. That's pretty much what it is. So far, I'm in. Yeah. And then they're they're hunting monsters and stuff. Don't really know exactly Why? too much. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's you know, who cares? Sure. It really doesn't sure. matter. Okay. The thing is, we've been seeing trailers for this game for eight years now. And I was so excited when I saw the first one. And, like, the music, the music to me. From the first trailer till now, I'm just like, they're fucking nailing it. And I think that music is such an important thing for Final Fantasy games because Final Fantasy is so narrative and so 
the story is so important and you have to connect to it emotionally and music just makes you connect to things better. And I feel like with the one thing that this demo nailed more than anything else was the right music at the right time to make me feel how the game wanted me to feel. Like this is the first time in a Final Fantasy game that I played that there's multiple battle themes for just regular battles. So depending on which monsters you were fighting, there'd be different songs and stuff. And I thought that was cool. Mm -hmm. Um, The gameplay was fun. Um, the the battle system was a little more, it's a little less Final Fantasy and a little more like Devil May Cry, God of War style like hack and slash, but with the like Final Fantasy tropes and stuff. But to me, it kind of felt like it was in the middle of the two, and it didn't actually commit to either. But the thing with that is like, obviously there's a hundred hours left in the game, and like that will flesh out and and will hopefully feel a bit better because I felt like a lot of times it was just mashing square. Yeah, the I mean I don't know I, I like I, I like the, the I liked very much the way the uh, it opens the demo opens it opens with them in a tent um, and their cell phone is going off with the alarm and they like the alarm just stays on for minutes as they like pass it around and try to wake each other up or whatever um, I think the characters feel a little sterile and samey the voice acting of that one character that has cloud hair is fucking atrocious and I want and I want to repeat that his voice acting is atrocious it's not even anywhere near being okay or mediocre it is terrible like he sounds like he doesn't belong with that group he's a whiny like character or whatever it sounds like a voice actor from 10 or 15 years ago in a final fantasy game i I can't like when i first heard that i'm like i cannot believe that this is the way this character to be clear as somebody who wasn't there this is english voice actor yeah yeah, 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 yeah. um i don't even know the character's name so i don't know which it's the character that looks like cloud well they have the most i mean final fantasy is known for ridiculous names but like holy shit the names in this game were like they were it was like mobulus and pronto yeah stuff like that i'm like like, yeah i mean but but so when i got so like that was that was the first thing that struck me first i was like all right this is really cool i like this humanizing these characters immediately then i was like i listened to that guy talking oh my god this is fucking awful you know like this is the way this guy sounds. And Give what me an was impression. Re- I, gotta hear I can't even do an impression. It's, honestly, it, it's it's a weird thing because like I, I'm going into this wanting to like this game. And I, I want to say, I want it clear, I did like this. I enjoyed it a lot. The reason I wanted to stop playing was because I wanted to save it to sure. for when it actually comes out of the demo or whatever. But what Colin's saying, I mean, it's spot on. Like, the presentation, it's a fucking Final Fantasy game. Like, it's supposed to be an interactive movie experience. Like, all this stuff. Like, cinematic shit, right? Yeah. And it was very, very cinematic. But then to hear... I don't even know so much if it was the like I don't know if I agree with you that the voice acting was atrocious. Just that thing. one character, but like oh my god, that the voice coming from how the character looks mm-hmm. and the fact that it's English and the fact that they're talking like English bros, like it sounded like me and Alex Salamita talking to each other. That you but guys aren't a boy band. I mean, we're kind of boy band. Nope. Yeah, we are. I'm pretty sure we are. Uh, but they they looked like that, but they weren't talking like that. So it was so weird because they look like these Japanese Final Fantasy characters and they're talking like us. And I don't know. It was it yeah. It was really felt we- wrong. It was weird in the sense that like I and I want to be clear because there's four characters you play as and, and you hear the voices. I think the voices for the other three guys are fine. In fact, like I think that um, and I, I wish I knew their names. I really don't. And I I just I don't even, I can't even differentiate the characters in my head. Do you want me to look them up? The, no. Okay. Uh, but the, like one guy is like kind of a British kind of more like dire accent. Like, like, oh, it's me. No, not not quite like that. I was similar. But, but it's just like with that all the way the guys talking, then the blonde guy talking to them I was like this is there's something way off. There's a huge dissonance between these characters. I don't mm-hmm. like. So that kind of ruined that opening set scene for me because I was like this is really cool. Um, at first, and then, you know, but all right, so you get out of the tent, and then you are in this open world. And this is, you know, someone from Square Enix asked me what I thought, and I'm like, this world that you've built, this game that you're building is a clear 
uh, synthesis and fusion of Western role-playing games with what you guys do mm-hmm. uh, already. Um, and this game is very Western. This is this is a game that um, is, in my opinion, a complete back-in-your-face to the gamers who complain about Final Fantasy XIII's closeness, quarter-like running mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. This is a wide-open game. Mm-hmm. And I, so I was like, all right, this is great. We go into the battle tutorial. It's cool. I like the battle system actually quite a bit. I think that the game is button mashy, but I think it's way deeper than that. It reminds me of uh, the way I felt about Final Fantasy XIII. I think one of the ways, that, one of the reasons, that things I loved most about Final Fantasy XIII was the battle system. Yeah, actually, I the battle system was really, really good and dynamic. And what you learned about it is like it seems simple at first, and it really isn't simple mm-hmm. at all uh, because. You have to use magic and do all these things in 13. In 15, I think we saw pretty quickly when we were fighting harder enemies that there's way more to this than than um, just hitting the square button. Yeah, it's, so that's the thing. It's not about just hitting square to win. It's just more about... I was more taken aback by how much you had to just keep hitting square. Like, strategically timed, but like it just it seemed excessive, especially some of the, the battles, like when we got to the, the mammothy creatures, right? That battle took like 10 minutes. That's just ten minutes of running from fat fuck to fat fuck, hitting them, which is fine. But like, it just it felt weird to me. But I was engaged the entire time. Like, it felt good, and I was excited. I want to see what was going to happen next. And like, there was moments where like they're like the giant when the giant motherfucker mm-hmm. comes out. Yeah, I couldn't, even, I couldn't even beat that guy. Yeah, the, it was impossible. The, the yeah, it was really hard. So I think that the game, I agree with you, the game is somewhere in the middle and doesn't commit to a lot of things. I am disappointed that the game isn't a little more traditional in its battle structure. I think that. Um, after 13, I liked 13's battle system. 12 system was more inspired by MMO, and I wanted to have something a little more traditional and turn-based. This game is in no way, shape, or form turn-based at all. It is totally active. So mm-hmm. um, you are in arenas that spawn when you run into enemies, and then you basically have the entire map to run around as long as you don't get too far away from the enemies. Otherwise, you disengage yeah. again. There's weird and interesting things that the battle system does that I noticed that I think is really cool. One thing is that you can teleport across the map by throwing your sword, which I think is like really, really cool, and you can actually teleport vertically. Mm-hmm. Um, so like you oh, can... So, like, if you need to get out of battle to heal, for instance, like, you can, and there's, like, a, uh, like, a tower, you can, like, shoot your sword up and then just teleport up there and you're healing and everything, and then you can actually teleport back into the enemy Mm -hmm. and, like, hurt him. Um, so there's little cool things like that, and I also thought that the system of helping your friends up when they fall is pretty cool because you have two layers of hit points, basically, in the game, um... And you don't use a phoenix down on an enemy or on a character that is crippled or whatever you want to disable in some mm-hmm. way. You use a potion, potion or you can just lift them up with your hand, go up to them and press X and they get, they get about a third of their health back. And, and that brings me to another cool thing that I think the game does that's really interesting in more of the active time battles kind of way it does, uh, this game does it, is that you can hide from enemies in the battle, which is cool. And if you hide, you would regain your hit points and your magic points quicker. Mm-hmm. Um that said, the battle seemed a little chaotic, but I really do give them the benefit of the doubt on this point because I think that it's going to be like 13 where you just don't understand it yet. Yeah. Like, I, I remember thinking I understood 13's battle system. That's why I was fighting really hard bosses, and you realize you don't understand anything. Yeah, you game. have to really actually use all the functions of it and right. stuff. That up until then, they didn't really... It's not that they didn't teach you, but you just had no need to do it. You could just do the auto battle, auto battle, auto battle, and win. But then later, when you're fighting the bosses, you would have to switch between all the different... I forgot what they called them, but... uh yeah, there's some weird. Yeah, uh, yeah, um, stratagem or whatever. It's not that, yeah, but yeah, something, something like, that. like yeah. that. Yeah, and you have to switch between it, and you could tell in this game that it's paradigm be like that paradigm there. Paradigm shift. Yes, yeah, yes, yes, yes. So I think that the uh, like the battle system was interesting. There again, there was a distance between the depth of the battle system and the Western nature of the battle system and the Japanese nature of the character develop the character designs, and I think the world as a whole. I like. 
there is something weird disconnecting the different the desperate pieces of the game that I think bothered me because I didn't want to stop playing it because I didn't like it. I wanted to stop playing because I was just like, I don't know, like this is a game that I'll play when it comes out and I need to spend time with it. This mm-hmm. is not going to be the appropriate amount of time to spend with the game. This isn't a game you jump into. And yeah, with. and like th- I don't you know, trifle with it. I don't know. I was I wasn't blown away by the way it looked. I don't think that like. I don't think Square Enix is going to be, and I don't care about the graphics really, but this is not a game that is going to like is not pushing the PS4. Yeah, at all. I mean, it's, like there there was moments that uh, they kind of built up to be the holy shit, this is the grand first showing of the world and stuff. And I remember like they walk out of the tent, you see it, and I was like, cool, like that's fine. Yeah, it, looks it, good. it, it was it, looks it was beautiful. Yeah. It looks really good, but it doesn't. I mean, I remember you know playing Final Fantasy X for the first time, just being like, "Holy shit, this looks amazing!" Like Final Fantasy used to be the thing that pushed the graphical limits mm-hmm. of the system it's on, and this it looks great. Well, it do, it doesn't, I think, because this is an artifact from a PS3 game. So I think that like the the textures are probably not quite where they needed to be, mm-hmm. and so I don't, I don't give a fuck about the way the game looks. It looks fine. Like it looks it looks good. It looks. I think it looks great. It just but, doesn't uh, look. There's going to be prettier open world games. Yeah, like when I when we played a game like The Witcher, like I think The Witcher is much more impressive looking in terms of the world mm-hmm. than I think Final Fantasy thirteen or fifteen is. In my opinion. You know, like and so um, the other things that I took away from it, and I don't know how you feel about this kind of stuff, is first of all, there are throwbacks to Final Fantasy VI in this game. Specifically with and, and I thought this was very clever because everyone everyone knows that Final Fantasy VI is most Final Fantasy fans' favorite game. So the Magitech soldiers that co- co- constantly saw you, Magitech is a Final Fantasy VI thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um it was funny that there are basically robots that kind of come in on drop ships mm-hmm. like randomly and and, How and they're called, was that and they're called Mag- Magitech, Magitech Knights or something like that. Yeah. I'm like that's pretty that's funny. Cool little thing. So yeah, and and the the thing I liked most about this was that this was happening randomly and even in battles. Mm-hmm. So like if you're in a battle that you feel like you're managing, and then these guys drop in, the whole you're pretty fucked. Yeah, the whole shooting you from afar. Yeah, the whole nature of the battle up. changes, which is pretty cool. And I really liked that. Like that. Uh, yeah, that was neat. When those guys first came in, it was like nighttime and stuff. Like I felt stressed out in a good way. Like that. That was like. I think the moment that I was like, oh, I actually, I really do enjoy what I'm doing right now. Like, this is fun, and I can't wait to, to play more of this and be able to beat these motherfuckers' ass. Like, it, it definitely, it won me over. I think that it's a good demo. Like, I think that uh, I this, it's hard to show off a Final uh, any RPG, really, in a short amount of time. But I think that this, it did do a good job of, here's a tutorial that you could skip if you want. And then going out into this giant world, and it gave you a good enough space to be able to do stuff. Every once in a while, I'd look over at your screen, see where you were at, and you were always doing something different than what I was doing. So I was like, "Oh, that's that's cool." But we'd reach points where we did get to the same, you know, fight eventually. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was awesome that we did it different ways, but we both reached the same point. And those those points were fun. Like I enjoyed the fights a lot, and I like I loved the way that the you had your four dudes and you're constantly thinking about where they're at and it's not like other rpg games where like the ai they're just fucking doing stuff and you're like oh you're useless they're fighting <laughs> like if you walk away like they'll fight for you and like that you could win you know and i thought that was cool i mean the it's much more similar to kingdom hearts than it is to previous final fantasies like you have the equivalent of donald and goofy and stuff running around with you and then you're the battle system is it's an action rpg more so than an rpg it is an action RPG. but it just i don't know something feels off to me about the the fact that i want it almost to feel more devil may cry like i want it to feel more like i have options with what i'm doing quickly no i don't want to have to go into a menu and change the combo order which is essentially what the battle system is Mm -hmm. um and i feel like kingdom hearts was a little better in that respect, and that it, maybe it was just the fact that it's cartoony looking that it, make, it makes it feel better. Like maybe the, I'm off put by the fact that it's realistic, 
and you're, you're doing all this. Yeah, but. yeah, it could be. I think that it seems like a reactionary game, and that's not really super surprising considering that there's a, a profound dislike of Final Fantasy XIII. You know, like, I, I think that people underestimate, like, some people out there really like Final Fantasy XIII. I respect that. If you like the game, that's great. I don't think it's terrible or even a bad game by any stretch of imagination, but there is a severe disliking of that game. It's in just Final not a Fantasy good Final Fantasy game. Yeah, exactly. So... And I think that a lot of people looked at it as something that's like, well, this is a linear game, there's no customization options, it's all about these paradigm shifts and really not about your equipment and all this kind of stuff, how are you leveling, and and I think this game is a reaction to that, so now it's about, there is deep customization <laughs> options in multiple ways, you are wearing all sorts of equipment, you have all sorts of weapons, you have, on your d-pad, you control like your magical spells on the fly, which I think is really cool, I kept using that drain that drain spell, which I used to love using in Final Fantasy 4 and 6, to like heal yourself as you attack your enemies. Mm-hmm. Um, but I agree with you in the sense that there is a lack of commitment. Like when you are an action RPG, you are inherently getting more arcadey. So if you want to go in that direction, then you really should just go in that direction. If you want to stay in a more traditional role playing game space, then you have to pull it back a little bit. So I'll be interested to see how this this fighting system develops. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, the one cool thing I really did enjoy was the ex- you you earn experience points based on how thoroughly and quickly and uniquely you kill enemies, um, and you don't level up or actually get to use the experience points until you camp. And I don't know if you if you did that in your game, but like you go to a campsite camp this is where the game gets very tales like because and i think that this is a clear inspiration from tales is that you can like cook at your uh, or even dragon's crown or something like you can cook um at your tent and like give your and your characters like debuffs and stuff for like the next day Mm. um so like you can you know give them some sort of gray magic or black magic abilities or you know heal them or give them extra experience points or something like that but when you camp like that's when your characters all level up and you become stronger Mm -hmm. so like it it seems like it's about like going and doing as much as humanly possible and then camping and then doing as much as humanly possible and then camping the game is clearly very quest based um which is different this is a different different. this is a different final fantasy game like this is definitely a western game Mm-hmm. You know, um, and at least from what we played, and I'm not really sure it's a bad thing, but yeah, no, I, 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 I mean, what you're talking about it. actually makes me kind of interested. <laughs> you know I mean? Yeah, so we'll see, we'll see how it happens. I mean, people asked me at at the meet and greet and at at you know, our panel how I felt about it, and I was like, you know, my expectations are still very low for the game, simply because you know, not because I don't think it's going to be good. I think it's going to be good. It's just it, it. I just I don't want to be disappointed. I was really disappointed with 13, mm-hmm. and I don't want to be disappointed again. So if the game surprises me, that's great. What I played leaves me. And basically the same place I was in. I, 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 um, way more concerned about ty- Type Zero, which I don't think is going to be very good based on what I played in Japan more than thirteen mm. or fifteen. I keep saying thirteen. Um, but I'll, I'm also interested in when this game is going to come out. Yeah. Um, and I think that we are about a year and a half away. So it's a weird. It's a weird time to release the. Demo. When's Goofy say it's going to come out? Goofy said everything's coming out this year. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> it's all coming out this year. Well, I'll tell you what's not coming out this year, guys. Topic number three. Uncharted. Mm. Oh, Uncharted mm. Four. Yeah, yeah. Uncharted delayed. Four got delayed. I'm, I'm gonna read a little. I was right. My prediction was right. A little. Pretty a little happy about that. Something. Hold you gonna read something? Second. Yeah. Oh, off your giant phone. Off my giant phone. Con, how big is that phone? It's the size of an iPad. All right. So over on the PS blog, Neil Druckmann himself says, "Since we showed you our first gameplay reveal of Uncharted Four: Thief's End, more of the game and story have come together, and it's become clear to us that this game is much more ambitious than we originally envisioned." After spending so many years with Nathan Drake, he means a lot to the team, and telling the climactic chapter of his adventures is a task we don't take lightly. This game deserves every bit of the attention to detail, precise pacing, and nuanced storytelling Naughty Dog is known for. 
So we've made the difficult choice of pushing the game's release date. Giving us a few more months will make certain that Uncharted 4 not only meets the team's high standards, but the high standards that gamers have come to expect from a Naughty Dog title. Thank you for your patience. We know the extra wait will be excruciating, but you'll see it will be worth it as we reveal more about Uncharted 4 over the next year. The team at Naughty Dog will be heads down working through 2015, making sure that Nathan Drake's story gets the closure it deserves. Come spring 2016, you and Nate are in for one thrilling emotional ride. So, my question to you guys, obviously... You guys saw this coming. Yeah. We talked about this many, many, many times. Are delays a good thing? When are they a bad thing? What are some examples of games that got delayed for good reason and ended up being worth the wait? Oh, every game that gets delayed, I think. Yeah, is, delays are really good. Yeah, I think th- someone's told us once. I don't know who said it. Like a delay is never bad. Like a, a, a game that is delayed is never worse because it was delayed. You know, it's impossible. Sure, it's like literally impossible. To bad make games bad forever, and a delayed game's disappointing for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're disappointed because the game's delayed. I'm not disappointed that Uncharted's delayed at all. I'm glad it is because they can delay it till 2017 for all I care. I, there's like so many. There's like so many games to play. I'll play it when it comes. Yeah. I'm not like that excited about it. That where it's you know I'm excited about. It, but I'll drop everything to play it. But you know, who's not coming out this year? Who cares? Like there's like there's a million there's a million games coming out. It's, it's going to be better when it comes out. A lot of interesting ripples off it being delayed. But to mm-hmm. your question mm-hmm. of like a game that was better for being delayed, Last of Us. Mm-hmm. Everybody says that. Everybody in Naughty Dog you talk to about that game says, yeah, like they delayed it and those extra weeks actually are when the game came together and actually worked and was great. You know what I mean? It would have been fascinating if you we could go back in time to undelay it and see what happens if they mm-hmm. their original street date. Yeah. What happens to that game? You know what I mean? So, you know, as you know, very big PlayStation fans, what do you think this means for PlayStation not having that huge holiday title? Right. They were planning on Microsoft now having Halo mm-hmm. and Tomb Raider mm-hmm. in a windowed exclusivity. Yeah, like in having open rain over the holiday. Yeah, I think people are making assumptions that Sony's going to have any games there. First of all, and that's what that's what I was telling people. Um, there's no guarantee that Sony's not going to have games there. We saw what happened last year when they delayed a game like The Order out of the fall, and that was supposed to be their big fall game, clearly, and it wasn't. Um, and it was not a good game anyway, so it didn't really matter. But that was the game they needed at the time, and they, and they had to delay it because it needed more time. So. Um, I think that there's a lot of assumptions about them not having a game this fall. I think that there are always going to be big PlayStation 4 games this fall. Nothing is going to be as big as Uncharted 4, but um, I think you'll see The Last Guardian this fall, and I think you're going to see um, you know, something from Bend or one of these other studios. The thing I was telling people this morning when people were freaking out, I was like, dudes, like, what's so intriguing about being a PlayStation player right now is that we don't really know what's going on at a lot of these studios. Their games have been in development for years. Any of them can announce their game this month or at E3 and have it ready for the fall. Like It's not like that's out of the question. I'm telling you there are PlayStation 4 exclusives that have not been announced that will come out this year. You know? like There's no way that's not true. Because sure. otherwise, after Bloodborne, that's it. You know, that is literally it for the rest of the year. And that, when when the, is Bloodborne? It's in a couple weeks. Yeah, March twenty fourth, third. So it's it's that's not possible. You know, so I like, don't like that's just it. Don't flip out about it. It's not going to be No Man's Sky because that game's not coming out this year. It's going to be you know I, a I, first party game or maybe something from Quantic or something. But, but I understand. I understand what you're saying. I just don't. And I don't. But I don't think people are saying there's not going to be anything. I think that they're saying there's nothing to compete with what Tomb Raider and, ha- and Halo are. You know what I mean? A new IP from Ben doesn't do. That. I mean, if you want to, it's the analog of Little Big Planet being out last year in Drive Club, right? Like, those- it didn't. It didn't hurt them though. That, that's the other thing. That, that's what I'm saying. Sure, like, that's it didn't, true. Sony doesn't have better exclusives right now on PlayStation 4 than Xbox One. The the, the slate of announced exclusives is not better than than Xbox Ones, but they are destroying Microsoft. So like, they're probably looking at it and being like, why do we? We, it doesn't matter, you know. Like, like I, if I were, if I was them, I'd be like, "There's two things that I, I, I'd notice to be like, we don't need to rush our games because people are buying the console anyway, and we don't need to pr- drop the price of the console because it's selling." 
You know? So, like, right now they're like, it's fine. How? Like, we, we, we're totally fine with, with not having these games because our console is still out. Like, when Titanfall came to Xbox One, PlayStation 4 outsold it that month. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, it's like, it doesn't... There's something missing, you know, in the way we examine these games and the situation with games coming out to specific consoles exclusively where it's not resonating like maybe it used to or people are just enjoying an ecosystem or a particular console or that the bad way a console was rolled out is still affecting it sure you know but, but I mean, yeah. how, how much ground do you think Microsoft can make up though? This they're cheaper. They have Halo. They have Tomb Raider. And they can make it they, matter. They can make up ground, but I don't think Uncharted was going to stop Xbox One from selling. You know, sure. like like Halo is bigger than Uncharted. Anyway, you cut it. You know, what I mean, so it's not like having you know Uncharted there. I guess helps a little bit. It's going to help a lot. But like the Halo Five is huge. Halo Five is way bigger and going to sell more than Uncharted. You know, sure and. Um, it's going to push Xbox Ones regardless of if Uncharted came out the same day. It doesn't matter, you know? And Tomb Raider being there is clearly a reaction to, you know, to Uncharted. Now they have that space to themselves. But again, that's not an exclusive. And we get as we get closer to those games coming out, or to Tomb Raider coming out, they're eventually going to have to talk about it, you know? They can't keep dodging the question as they've been dodging for the last year, you know, in kind of like coy little ways. That's not a real exclusive. So if so, that's going to cut out some of the sales of Xbox One. But again, they'll sell, they'll sell units based on that. And it's gonna, I'm sure it's going to be a great game. I, I just think that people are kind of freaking out for no reason, you know? Give them time. It's just, if we don't get the games now, we get them later, and that's just as exciting to me, you know? Sure. Um, yeah, Ben's new IP or whatever the hell they're working on is not going to be Uncharted, but who knows what it's going to be, and who knows how exciting it's going to be. Everyone yep. starts from somewhere. Yep. And a lot of these studios are very quiet right now. It's a good time to be a PlayStation gamer in the sense that I think that we don't... They haven't, you know, blown their load, basically, you know? I don't think Microsoft has either, but we know a lot. Of, Microsoft had was forced to announce all of their games based on the, the situation that was surrounding Xbox One, and I don't think that PlayStation's in it, it, PlayStation's in a unique place where it's like we're not going to announce anything. They learned their lessons from the Last Guardian, you know. Yep. Remember that they it seems like they canceled a game in Santa Monica that was in development for years, you know. So like they're start, they're starting to like hold down their game their games and figuring out a more effective way to announce them. Sure. Um, they shouldn't have announced the date for Uncharted. Um, they probably felt like they had to, and uh, you, you know, a lot of people were tweeting at me today, being like, "You were right, Uncharted got delayed." And I'm like, "Yeah, I've been saying that, but Greg's been saying it even longer." So it's like, you know, don't give me, don't give me credit. And it I was mean, obvious. It's not like it's a, a reading the tea leaves in a unique way. Like it was becoming increasingly obvious that the game wasn't going to be ready. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I think yeah, right. They had to sh- like they had to the vertical slice, and they had to say it was coming out. And they, I, th- I still think that like there was. A, a chance that Naughty Dog thought they could hit that, you know, hit that mark and hit 2015, hit the end of the year. But I think at some point you have to sit back and be. And it's like I've said from the the jump, like it's like Amy left and that was her project, and then Justin left and that was his project. The two names that when they announced this at the VGAs, when it was still the VGAs, right, or the VGXs, whatever it was at the time, but it was still through Spike. When they announced it, they put two names to it, and it was Amy and Justin, and those people left. And so for Neil and Bruce to come in, who are incredibly talented game makers, they're going to do an awesome job. They don't want to just go with, well, this is the script. This is what we have to run with. They want to make their own game. They want to do their own thing. So that mm-hmm. meant pretty much, I imagine, going back to square one, which immediately set off the chain of events to get them to where they can't do that. But at PlayStation Experience, you have to show that. You have to announce at the PlayStation 4 event, there is an Uncharted coming. You know what I mean? It's very it's very clear why you do these things so people understand what they're investing in. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's the new... We keep talking about, like... What is the PlayStation 4, Xbox One generation, and what what is this going to be, and blah blah blah, and like right now, and you're buying these systems, but you're only playing indie games, da da da. You're buying them 
on the promise of I love what I'm playing now, these indie games. I love Hotline Miami too. I love all these different things. But I know down the road I'm getting an Uncharted. I know I'm getting a Fallout. I know I'm getting a Halo. I know you know what I mean. There's there are the things coming that, but I have it right now. These appetizers to keep me going. These mm-hmm. little these little dishes to get mm-hmm. me to these giant main courses. And so yeah, like that's what it's got to be. You know what I mean. And so yeah, to delay it, I don't. I think it's gonna be an interesting fall to see. Because that's the whole thing is like Sony has been running away with it, right? and PlayStation Four has been just grabbing every headline in terms of sales. Mm-hmm. What does this do to it? I agree with everything you've said. You know what I mean. That they probably aren't that concerned. It sucks. It's. I don't it, think they I, are. I'm sure they're like, fuck. We'd love to have that there, but does it matter? Is it really gonna affect it? Who the hell knows? If Fallout comes out, you know what I mean. Does it really matter? If there's other, if the AAA games are there from third party developers, Assassin's Creed. Mm-hmm. I mean, Batman in, in the summerish. You know what I mean. Like. There's things there to keep you going that are the big things, but yeah, they aren't exclusive. They'll be fine. They'll be fine. They're not worried about it. So we're talking about how game delays are a good thing, essentially universally. Are there is there any time where it's not acceptable to delay a game? The one that jumps to mind is Batman Arkham Knight, which was total bullshit when they announced that game and they announced the release date. And what it was, it was like I forget what it was. I'd have to go back and look, but it was like. I want to say they were saying it was coming that holiday, and they said it at E3. Maybe this is all this all this math is wavery, but I know it was within a few months of like we're announcing our game and it'll be out in a few months. And then they said, "JK, it's delayed until June of next year." And it's like motherfuckers, you knew you were nowhere near hitting the end of the year. Then you know what I mean to push it back. That this wasn't like Bloodborne or the Order that was like, okay, it's in the first half of the year or the first you know mm-hmm. two months of the year, three months of the year. It's like no, 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 we're going way far back. You know what I mean? Clearly, you have to be there and be like, all right, we wanted to make a big impact we want to have yeah they were drumming up pre-sales and whatnot yeah. i mean the, the, yeah it's i don't think there's ever i think there are probably examples of games that were delayed that didn't utilize that extra time properly or that didn't still didn't end up being a good game but i don't think there's any example of a, a game being delayed and was worse off for it or like mm-hmm. shouldn't have been delayed because we don't really know what the pipeline True. is when you're crunching on the nature of the delay you know like some of these delays happen very we always make fun of project cars for instance for being delayed literally like four times now in the last like few months and it's like, what the hell is going on there? But at least they have the wherewithal to do it and know they're looking stupid, as opposed to releasing Drive the club. game broken. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and um, so there's, like, different, like, everything's kind of getting delayed or been delayed. Hotline Miami was delayed. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a matter of um, acknowledging uh, the situation at hand when you are about to go gold, if you are really ready to go to gold or not. And I think that... Um, this is teaching, and this is why my Fallout 4, I, I still think Fallout 4 is coming out this year, is because I think developers and publishers are learning, like, there is no reason to say anything or announce anything until, like, the game is in alpha at this point. Like, why? Why? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I keep wondering, like, Fallout 4 could come out, could be announced and come out the same day. The, like, in October of this year, they're going to be like, oh, Fallout 4 is real, and here it is. And it would sell the literally the same amount of copies. And Bethesda would actually save money by not having all like by advertising it and sending people to play the game and doing all these like rollouts and stuff like that. There's fucking no reason for some of these games to have these big lead times. So I think we're going to see fewer delays in the future because I think studios are just going to set expectations differently. That here is the game. Either they announce the game and it's coming whenever, Mm -hmm. like Blizzard does, or Valve, or you say like We've been working on this game for three years. We're finally ready to show it to you. It's an alpha, and it's going to be ready in six months, and we're confident it's going to be ready in six months, and here it is, and here's Game X, mm-hmm. which is what I think is going to happen to Fallout 4. You know, so um, there's no reason to, like, to play games, because as traditional media kind of wanes in its power and as the, its gatekeeper status, which we talked about a lot, there's no reason to have gatekeepers like that anymore. There's no reason to, to string people along anymore. Now you can just go directly to the source. So... Tell me about Fallout 4 two years before it comes out. It just makes me fucking angry. So here's my you question know, it, doesn't, for you. it doesn't get me excited at all. As yeah. you know, I 
no business well. I've heard you are a collegiate career. Yeah, you went to you went to Wharton School. I heard exactly Wharton School of Typography and Crabs. Mm -hmm. My question for you though is like, for the business model that currently exists in games, sure. Doesn't matter. Consumers are ready to go. I'm sure they want to save. Some kids want to save their money, be ready for it. Da, da, da. What does it come down to though when you're a publicly traded company? Because it seems like that's really where this comes down to. You make these announcements to boom your stocks, to get your fiscal sure. year, to excite this. Like when is that the problem right now? You think is that what's holding everything up? It seems like that's the problem with some companies like Take Two. But I think that you know you have to set your expectations appropriately for your stockholders. Look at a company like Apple. Like, oh, we, With the rumors of Project Titan and all these things or how rumored the watch was, they were just like, it is what it is. Like, We're not saying anything about these things yet. Yeah. You know, kind of almost like your investors be damned. I think that like, you have to treat your investors, you know, not that, you know, we run a business that has investors or whatever, but it's like, you have to kind of treat your investors like, just be patient. If you either trust us or you don't, like we're not going to temporarily boost our stock by announcing a game before it's ready because that's really going to hurt us later. We play yeah. the long game. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the long con. Like, there's no, so... I think that what's exciting about these kinds of situations is we're just going to get fewer game announcements far, you know, really far out from from games being revealed because this kind of shit with Uncharted happens, and then people, and then it's even though it's optically neutral to me, for a lot of people, it's a bad thing. It's like, oh, the game's delayed, it must be in trouble. It's like, no, of course the fucking game's in trouble. You know, like it's in development. Every game's in trouble. You know, when it's eighteen months out, Nate keeps flying off the world. Yeah, yeah, Nate, yeah, exactly. They, there's a gravity problem in the game, but the the you know, like like. I, we've talked to I know lots of game developers. You know lots of game developers. You talk to them. Game development is a fucking mess. It doesn't matter like what the games are always bad when they're being developed. They're not fun. It's oh you always talk about developers about them trying to what what they call usually finding what's fun in the game. Yeah, the game exists. The world is built. But what is fun about it? How do you move through it? What is the cadence and the rhythm of the game and all these kinds of things? These things take time to find. You must give your development studios time to find them before you announce the game. Yeah. Not everyone has the advantage like Fallout 4 where it's clearly going to be fun and awesome because their hook is already there. It's quest-based. You're going to run around a huge open world and do whatever the fuck you want. What's more brilliant about my Fallout 4 prediction is that they are all, if, if it's true, and it must be true. At, at, the very, at the very least, that game's been in development. Colin for, must be right. Yeah. <laughs> Fallout 4 has been must have been in development for at least three years. I mean, like, it, like, and and no one is saying anything. They have a fucking lid on that place. It's really interesting that like things have leaked about it in the past, like yeah. kind of anecdotally, but no one has said shit about that game. You know, and that's pretty extraordinary too that they have a lid over it. Naughty Dog does a similar thing with The Last of Us, where somehow they never leaked it. Um, so I don't know. Game delays are good. Game delays should be exciting. Everyone has a backlog. Everyone has games that they would play if only they didn't have to play something else. It's always a good thing when a game's delayed. Just be patient. The game will be better. Uncharted 4 will now not be an 8 or a 9, maybe. Maybe it'll be a 10. You know? Give them time. And if they want to delay it again until the fall of 2016, go for it. Do you think there's a difference between a release date that's like 2015 and a specific day? Like October 21st, 2015? Yeah, 100%. I think when you're saying a year, then it's a bit more vague. And yeah. also, I think it, it tips your hat that you're not solid sure, on what's yeah. gonna happen yet because i mean as much as this sucks with uncharted 4 it's like i mean that's not they still never gave you a release date it was yeah. more like a release window and yeah the window of 2015 is very different than spring 2016 yeah, yeah but still it's like that that shows that they weren't sure yet like the one i can remember is smash bros brawl where they gave a specific date at one point like for a while it was 2007 and then it was just like eventually it was 2008 and then it was the specific date in 2008 and it was like yeah. oh man that's so exciting and then they delayed it like four months and it, i was so upset i was like fuck this shit because it feels official when yeah they give you the official when they give the date, date it's like yeah, i yeah. can't believe that they changed that and i was so upset about it i mean at the end of the day i'm sure it was for a good reason i'm 
probably had to do with online play, which maybe it wasn't good reason because that sucked anyways. But it's I remember feeling betrayed, betrayed by that. And of course, it's just because I'm so excited about the game. Sure. But and now it doesn't matter because it's out and that's how time works. But, yeah, it's time but you know, it's Bicycle. crazy. It, there is a difference, I think, between a release date and a release window. Yeah, but I even think when a release date's announced, like, Sony used to announce release dates really far ahead of time. I mean, for the Uncharted games, like, 11 11 was, was uh, Uncharted 3s for, I think, like, a year. Like, you knew that that was the... And they hit the date, but it's... I think it's better to just change the way the games are revealed. Like, Sony got it's, it bit in the ass with The Last Guardian. Like the, like, the more that these kinds of things happen, the more that they're going to become reserved, and they should be reserved. There's no reason to get everyone hyped up about a game that's not coming out within a year. I don't understand it. It's stupid. Don't do it. You know? Like, it doesn't make any sense. I remember when Clayman came back from seeing Bioshock Infinite. And I was like, oh, great. And how was it? And he's like, oh, this is I'm like, when's it come out? And it was like four years. I was like, what the fuck? And that was before I got the lady moved. I'm like, why Why would they show you this? It doesn't make any sense. It's just so stupid. Like, there's nothing to be excited about when the game isn't real. You know? When the, yeah. game, is, like, when the game isn't real yet. And the game's not real yet until it's really, like, a full product and alpha that, like, people are playing and starting to, like, tweak yep. and do things to. I'm telling you, it's going to be an exciting fall because the, the, with Uncharted 4's delay, all I'm telling you is that there are games you do not know about yet that are coming out this fall. In addition to the games you do know about that are coming out this fall. So, sometimes the unexpected is more exciting. There's always going to be something to play. And this fall, I feel it in my balls, Greg. My I feel God! Do there be games to play? That Fallout fall 4 will oh, be here. It fucking better be. You, I've no. bought into your bullshit hook, line, and sinker. I'm part of your Colin cult. Mm. And it better fucking not backfire. Do you feel it in his balls, too? I feel it, I'll feel his balls right now. My God. I sure do. Oh, shit. Fallout 4. I felt that all the, the pit boys bouncing around down there and everything. Ooh. All signs point to it. Yeah. Mm. I'm sure that they're so excited at Game Studio, too. Like, like Bethesda Game Studios, yeah, where yeah. it's like... You know, because people look at Bethesda as a publisher, but their internal studio, like, they've just been quiet. Just quiet. It's gonna be working. Like, this is going to be awesome. Oh, my God. They must be so excited, you know, to show their game. Can't wait for it to come out and be an MMORPG. Oh, they weren't, they're going to, they probably will fuck it up in some way. But the 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 fundamental core of that game, man, oh, my God. Everything yeah. stops when that I game comes wait. out. Everything stops. All right, guys. Final topic for the day. Final topic. This comes from... Our friend Adam Kershaw over on Patreon. Oh, he backed us at patreon.com slash games to get his topic read. Uh-huh. Just so like his... Peach Goblin poop. <laughs> <laughs> Bitly Peach Goblin. <laughs> All right. Which genre do you think will be the most successful on the current generation consoles, i.e. Xbox One and PS4? Mm. That's a really cool topic. And when you were, we were looking at it earlier, and I was like, oh, man, I've never really thought about that. Because, you know, I, I think that it's safe to say that uh, last generation first-person shooters were the dominant, most important genre on it. Generation before that, PS2, yeah. What do you got? PS2, man. I don't know. Action I, games. Oh yeah, action definitely. Is that so? You're counting like Grand Theft Auto, right? Third-person action. Third yeah, person. but also like hack and slash and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, I think third-person action. action oh, yeah, Double Cry, Cry. Animusha, God of War, all that stuff. Yeah, definitely, God of War, definitely. Of War. Mm-hmm. And then the generation before that, role-playing games. You think so? Yeah, yeah. PlayStation One generation. And like NES and SNES are like about platformers. platformers. Yeah, and then all like right. PlayStation One was really about our old playing games, and then because I, I was gonna potentially say 3D platformers. Yeah, Mario. but yeah, Jack. I, I think it's safe to Crash. say that platformers Wait. and RPGs works for either Super Nintendo generation or N64 generation. Mm. But yeah, yeah. And then you go before that's just arcade. <laughs> it's the only genre. Yeah, so like, oh, I'm sorry. No, you go no, no, please, 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 please. Okay, I, I was gonna say if you're that if doesn't we're happen go- very often. If we're going off what? That we interrupt each other. I know. Give me, give me, let's hold hands. 
if we're going off what developers and publishers want, this generation is online co-op. Co-op with. Now, I think you're already seeing like the industry snap hard on that, right? That no, we don't want that, and you can't make games that do that and fucking work at launch. So mm. shove it up your ass, mm-hmm. like. But I, so that's where Damn. that's why it's hard to say right now. But I mean, if you would have asked me, you know, the E3 where Ubisoft came out and it was like three games that were all online oh. co-op initiative, yeah, and, you know, yeah, what I mean, yeah. then I was like, oh fuck, I don't know. I guess that's what it's gonna be. So right now. I'm a bit of a mystery on this question. I don't have a great answer for you. So you're talking like Evolve, Left 4 Dead, that type of stuff? I'm talking like, I was when I think of The Division. When that oh, Destiny. Up. Yeah, exactly. Because everybody was doing it. Even Watch Dogs, right? Because it was, you can go into each other, and this is again off the announcements. Yeah. You go into each other's game, and you see the camera, and you're reporting each other, and hacking each other, and all this other crap. Great. You know I mean? Leave me the fuck alone so I can play. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what is the question exactly? The can question, you can you read it? Yes, just, yes, can yes, you read yes, it for yes. me again? Just because I, I want to make sure that I get the exact question. Because I have a question about the question. I think mm. before I get to my answer, which genre do you think will be the most successful okay. on the current generation? So, what is the definition of successful? I think I think it's just commercially. Like, well, what we just said, like when we think about PlayStation Four, Xbox One generation. Yeah. So ubiquitous what, with like a platform. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go. Let's go with so that. that. Okay, because uh, I think that I still think it's shooters, and I think that you know it's an it's. Like Grand Theft Auto Five is kind of a shooter now. Now that it's in first person, or you can play it in first person. The not that you have to be in first person to play a shooter, uh, but like in terms of the games that still have the most cachet and still sell the best, they are shooters. So by far, by a mile, um, Call of Duty will outsell everything this year. So it's it's not a matter of you know and Battlefield's coming. I'll be interested to see how Battlefield actually does. Um, soon, yeah, very soon, like the twenty fourth or something like that. I didn't even know it was that soon. Uh, don't care about that game, not even a little bit. Uh, but I think that that will be um, the the dominant AAA genre. I think that this particular generation, as we look back on it in, say, 2020, uh, will be the rise and complete domination of independent games. Yeah. And I think that that's not a genre. That is a type of game and a way of making a game, perhaps. But um, I think it counts. Yeah, it counts in some way. I think that because all the... Everything we were talking about, even back in the NES and SNES days to an extent, I mean, those teams were small, but these were AAA games as we knew them at the time. You know, uh, the original Zelda was made by probably fewer than a dozen people, but it's it's um, a AAA game for yeah. 1986. So I think that we will see, when we look back, I think we will see fewer big AAA games or big budget games that we really give a shit about. I think that when we look back 2020, 2025, and look back at these games, we're going to be excited about games like Mighty Number no. 9 or like yeah. Hotline Miami, not games like Call of Duty, which all blur together. So I'm, right. not, I'm not disparaging Call of Duty. I play them every year, but, and I like the shooting mechanics very much, but these games aren't getting everyone excited critically. They're getting excited commercially, which is yeah. why I wanted to define, define what success. success meant. Yeah, and you know when we, we talk about our, our top 25 lists or whatever for different consoles, I do think that you're right. That When we look back on these generations, a lot of them are going to be quote-unquote independent titles. And uh, you know, of course, we're gonna have the Uncharted fours and the like, big dogs like that in there. But they're not necessarily. I mean, they might take up the, the top spots, but I feel like the majority of the list is gonna be the iDarbs and the whatever. You know, all the fun, cool shit we do. Yeah, I, oh, stuff that caught you off guard. Yeah, oh, it's happening again. Jeez. Uh, yeah, because I, I think about the MPD charts every every month and what they're telling us. And what they're telling us is that people buy the same fucking game over and over again. Now, that's that's your prerogative if you want to do that. But the, the, the I remember it was month over month, with the exception of Dying Light being included in, like, fe- February. Or, I guess it was, must have been February or something. Maybe January. I don't know. Like, the lists were exactly the same. The only thing that changed month over month was that some of the order changed, and Dying Light was in there, and Just Dance fell off. I remember that, like, very well. And I'm like, just dance. And I'm like, this is... 
the most boring shit ever. Like these are the game, and again, this is only judging retail, but it shows a stagnation and a predictability in the retail market that is slowly going to wax as their popularity wanes and people kind of go more to the digital space. I keep telling, saying over and over again, the AAA model is a dying model, and it's not that it's going to die completely. It's just that. Someone has to be bold enough at some point to say, like, this is a AAA style game that is $40. This is a AAA game that is $30. This isn't a AAA game, and we are not going to charge you $60. Yeah, yeah. And I think until those spaces, uh, it's probably uh, Kevin or Ramon, okay. and, until those spaces are 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 um, figured out in a sense that games don't have to cost $60 or $10, mm-hmm. um, I think the success of the smaller games will just wax and, and become bigger and bigger because people find more inspiration and more to like in those particular spaces. It's fun. Yeah, that's the thing. At the end of the day, video games are about fun, and you know, whenever we do these multiplayer Mondays of majority independent games, they're just fun. You can just pick up and play, and even though we haven't played them ever before, like we are enjoying ourselves and having a good time. And I think that people are gonna look back at that and remember that, remember the fun they had, not remember, you know, the tenth Assassin's Creed they played. Yeah, and that's the thing is like when you look back in ten years and you have played fifteen Assassin's Creed games, are you really going to remember? Which one was the best? Now, it's a little hypocritical of me to say because I love a series that is very derivative of one another, and people, most people would not be able to tell apart any Mega Man games. Mm-hmm. You know, like I could give you. Portillo, come here. I give you Mega Man 1, come 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6, and I'd tell you to put them in order, and you wouldn't probably be able to do that yeah. because, like, they are the same. The same thing. But, so I don't want to be too hypocritical about it. I just think that when people are buying Madden and FIFA and NBA every year, they're going to buy Assassin's Creed this year, they're going to buy Call of Duty, they will buy Battlefield. Um,. It just shows a space that is stagnant and boring. It's not to say those games are bad. It's just a boring space. And so I think the big success stories for this generation will be the independent game developer. They've been independent game developers. And again, how you define that, I don't know. Yeah. You know, like, is No Man's Sky is a really important game for PlayStation 4, and it's by an independent studio, but it's not really an independent game. You know, so like, in the future, we really need to, and we talked about it on Colin, Greg, Colin and Greg today, where it was like, what is the definition of independent and indie? Mm-hmm. And really, it's doing funding your own games and making your own games. And there are very so, like for instance, Insomniac is an independent studio, but they're huge. There's like 300 of them. Mm-hmm. You know, they're way more independent than Bend, which I think is like 50. You know, so it's not about size. Yeah, it's so I mean, there's, there's like it's a it's a weird and nebulous definition. I feel like it's at this point, the way the words used is not by its actual definition. Oh, it's not about actually doing. It's more the the look of the game, the feel mm-hmm. of the game, how the game's delivered, all that stuff. And I think that we just kind of have to accept that. And that that the new definition of independent in relation to video games and independent gaming is: does it look like Ori in the Blind Forest? Right. Yes. Even though, yeah, even though Ori is funded exactly by Microsoft, so it's like that's that's what's so yeah. So like it is funny. Like we, I would love to really sit down one day and figure out what independent is, and then like really propagate that definition because small or downloadable doesn't mean anything anymore um yeah and, and calling an indie game as a pejorative is not effective as an insult anymore because yeah. people are way excited about these games now which mm-hmm. is awesome indie station man. yeah i love my indie station because it has games to play unlike so many other platforms out there so it's like i'm fine with that look it's at fun. you it's gonna hate Look at you, your 3DS mm, library. Mm. Shove it up your My ass. My God, you guys are... Shove it up your ass. <laughs> yeah. It's an XL. It's going to be pretty big. I can't wait to get my XL. Yeah, you should. It's going to be, it's gonna be really good. Let me see, let's see where we're at with time right now. We are... We're, oh, we're good. We're looking pretty good. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to do something new starting next week. Now, the details on this are not completely rolled out yet. Some things are not buttoned up. The cows before the horse, as they say. 
Nope. Yep. Cart before the nope. horse. Nope, the cow is before the horse. The uh-huh. cow can never walk in front of the horse. Ever. That's the rule? Ever. That's the rule. Oh, my God. There's rules. Anyways. According to your universe, that is the rule. Yeah, that is the rule. That is the rule. So what we're, what we're doing is we want to do one topic a week where we answer you guys' questions. A little mailbag oh, of sorts. Me. It'll be fun. Now, eventually, we're going to have an email that you guys will have you send to, and you can like write these long, detailed stuff. We don't have that yet. We need to figure it out. There's some issues with that. So for this week, just tweet at me, at Tim Gettys. Let me know your questions. We'll cover a bunch of them next week. It's going to be fun. We'll figure it out next week, a more legit way for you guys to get really verbose with your, your questions. And we'll get nasty with our answers. Good. Yeah. It's going to be fun. I like nasty. Yeah, I really like nasty. Yeah, I know you do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Criminal Girls. You want to play? You want to play some? Yeah, let's play some Criminal Girls. Yeah, sure. Ladies and gentlemen, until next week, I love you a lot. Colin thinks you're pretty cool. Greg, he's a hating ass hater. Shout out to Peach Goblin Poop. Yeah. <laughs> Bit. Bit dot Lee. Slash, pe- slash, yeah, slash Peach Goblin. Yeah, no yeah. poop. No. Mm-mm. I don't, want to, I don't want people to have to write poop. Oh, you had you wrote it. Damon won't even say poop. He won't so say poop. Yeah. Damon won't say poop. Damon does not like the word poop. Peach Goblin. Good to know. Poop. <laughs>